Hey, what up? And welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am a fellow 20-something creating this podcast for you, my 20-something friends, or 20-somethings at heart. My hope and prayer is that you walk away from each episode feeling encouraged, challenged, and refreshed in your walk with the Lord. I invite some legit older, wiser women on to help us along this journey and remind us that we will indeed survive. I am pumped that you're here. Okay, ladies, before we get started, I wanted to share with you guys about an app that I have been loving that makes catching up on Bible reading super duper easy and so fun. We're a little over halfway through the year now, which means that for a lot of us, our New Year's Bible reading plans might be falling behind in the busyness of life. Schedules are crazy, Netflix is calling, and for a lot of us, it's just plain hard to find the time to get into God's Word each day. That's where Dwell comes in. Dwell is an audio Bible app that far exceeds any Bible app you've used before. Trust me. This isn't some monotone, boring reading of the King James Version that's going to put you to sleep by the end of the first verse. Dwell has commissioned four brand new recordings of the Bible in the ESV, each showcasing a unique and inspiring voice. Right now, I am really into the five-day Bible in a Year plan and the Peaceful Night playlist. In just 15 to 20 minutes a day, you can listen to the entire Bible in a year. I typically play my Bible in a year plan while I'm getting ready for work or on my way to work. So if you have a hard time reading the Bible, or if you have a commute and would like to redeem that time, then try out Dwell. They have a seven-day free trial that you can take advantage of. They have also given Water with Lemon listeners a pretty generous deal. If you go to dwellapp.io slash waterwithlemon, you can get 33% off their annual subscription, which works out to $19.99. And $19.99 a year is just $1.67 a month. So we're talking less than a latte a month that you can access a world-class scripture listening experience. Again, check them out at dwellapp.io slash waterwithlemon and transform the way you experience scripture. Ladies, 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 welcome back to another week of the podcast. I've got another great conversation for you to listen in on today. I am chatting with the lovely Kat Armstrong today about what it means to truly hold nothing back, like Shawn Mendes, my favorite boy, says, and live out what God has called us to do in this season of life. Kat and I had a great time chatting, and I am pumped for you to hear it, so let's get on with it. Well, hey, Kat. Welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. Emma, you've been so gracious, so patient with me. Thank you for having me on the show today. I'm so excited. Of course. I've been super excited. I know it's been a long time coming, but honestly, like summertime now is like my time to get stuff done because I'm a teacher. And so I'm like living my life now on summer break. And I'm like, all right, who wants to record a podcast? Who wants to go to the pool? Who wants to do this? I have all the time in the world. So it totally worked out. And I'm just excited to be sitting in my closet here with you today, free from the little kids for a little while. <laughs> oh, what what age do you teach and what what do you teach? I teach third grade um, mm-hmm. and I teach all subjects third grade. So it is super fun. They're a really fun age. But, you know, everyone's always like, oh, you're so lucky. And I am so lucky to have like summers off, but it's so needed as well, like just for mm-hmm. rest. But I, I love teaching. I've wanted to do it since I was like 
five. So, I mean, this, I just finished my second year. So I'm a, I'm a newbie teacher for sure. Um, but I'm loving it. Oh, I love that. My, my son, Caleb just graduated from kindergarten. Oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. this little kindergarten walk across stage with a little kindergarten cap and oh. gown and it was pretty stinking cute. So yeah, that's <laughs> so I think that cute. elementary kids are, are so much fun. Um, I'm not, I don't know how to relate to kids past elementary, but I'm going to learn obviously eventually. <laughs> right. <laughs> age. Well, good. I don't know. I, we love summertime too. It's such a fun season of rest. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's so fun. I love kindergartners. They're so cute. I would never want to teach them honestly, but they're so cute. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So tell me a little bit more about just yourself and what life is like for you these days. Yeah. So I spend my time uh, full-time working for Polished Ministries. It's a 501c3 nonprofit that I co-founded 11 years ago. So I just just celebrated my 11th year anniversary with them. Um, Mm. Yeah, so back in 2008, I co-founded this organization to share the gospel with young professional women in their 20s and 30s, working women who were trying to navigate career and explore faith and kind of wanted to marry those two conversations together because our faith does impact our career and our career does impact our faith. So Mm. I serve as the executive director, which means I oversee all seven of our national chapters. I oversee our podcast. Um, I'm working directly with the board of directors to mobilize our over 250 leaders that are spread out across Texas and Oklahoma. And um, yeah, I mean, anything that you can think of, of the, you know, top leader of an organization. So I'm overseeing budgets and uh, strategic development and, church partnerships, um, mobilizing our leaders and providing world-class training. And so it, it, I wouldn't say I'm a jack of all trades, um, because Mm -hmm. we're, we're in a pretty well-established season as an organization, but I definitely have got my hands on a lot of different parts of our systems. So, uh, sometimes I have to go in and do some coding on the website and sometimes I have to go into our CRM and do a little coding there too. And you just kind of pick up those things when you're a smaller organization, but that's yeah. what I do all, you know, all day, every day, um, for my full-time work. And then I also have just the privilege, the honor to teach the Bible. And mm-hmm. I, I do so at retreats, conferences, women's events, um, here at my home church at Dallas Bible church in Richardson, um, for women's Bible study. And, um, so I do a lot of traveling and speaking and that's, just, it brings so much joy to my life. So the Mm -hmm. the combo of the two work really well together. Um, but yeah, that's what I do. I'm married. I've been married for 17 years to Aaron Armstrong and we've Mm -hmm. got one kiddo, Caleb, who's six and he's on his first real summer break this summer and living his best summer life with popsicles and sprinklers on in the backyard. So what a cutie. I love that. That's such a fun age. It is. I'm sure you're like, Oh no, it's going by too fast. He graduated from kindergarten. It is. We bought these cute little pair of karate pants for him a couple months ago and they look like they're capri pants. Now he's just growing like a weed and changing as a little person. And it's really neat to watch people become who God intended them to be. And to see kind of the early stages of that Mm. is 
I, you know, I've never experienced it before. So I'm trying to savor each of these little seasons with him. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I love the name Caleb so much. So I love that. All right, Kat. Well, you know that my podcast is specifically designed for 20 somethings. Now I have, I always say it's for 20 somethings at heart as well. So I include all, all ages, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I just wanted to talk to you about like, what was life like for you in your twenties? Um, what like was hard for you in your twenties? What was good? Tell me all about it. Yeah. My twenties were, um, kind of, bipolar. They were super fun. <laughs> and they were also, and I, I don't want to make light of that because I, I I mean, I shouldn't have said that probably, but it, they did feel like they were really up and down. I, I got into a skincare consultation and I was in a sales rep and ended up being the second youngest vice president in the company and really kind of moving up the ranks quickly in my twenties. And so it was definitely wow. a season of ambition feeling like I'm trying to find my place. It was also a very multitasking season of life. And I know that's mm-hmm. true for a lot of 20 somethings that I was working a full-time job. I had some side hustles trying to figure out, could I be an entrepreneur? What, what should I be doing with my life? Did I even get the right degree in college? So I had that going on. I had like a full-time job. I had side hustles. And then I was going to, to seminary. I spent eight years at Dallas Theological Seminary from 2004 to 2011. So I started um, graduate school um, divinity school it, when I was 24 and I graduated when I was 30. So my twenties oh, wow. really were swallowed up by, um, my time in seminary and it was always part time. So it was always mm-hmm. in addition to a full-time job, but I know that a lot of women listening, a lot of men listening are going to relate. Of uh, you kind of spread yourself thin in your twenties because we're trying to figure out where do I fit and what am I supposed to be doing next? And in some ways you're like, I'm just try a bunch of different things and see, mm-hmm. see what sticks. Yeah. Um, so that was probably the really fun part of my twenties. I think I also had pretty significant challenges in my twenties. Um, my brother struggles, uh, he's got some really significant struggles and we were dealing with a lot of that. Um, my, father was addicted, substance abuser, had a lot of severe mental illness, untreated, unmedicated, not getting help. Um, he actually ended up taking his life two years ago. And, but in my twenties, my father's struggles really weighed heavily on me. I I didn't really know how, now that you're out of the home for most twenties, they're not living with their parents anymore. Or if they are, Mm -hmm. they're really independent from that family of origin. And that was my scenario. I was already married and out of the house, but I felt so burdened by the Mm. troubles that I knew were at home. And then on a personal level, I was really struggling in my twenties to Mm. figure out where I fit. And I, I couldn't find, I did well in sales and I liked the success, but I had a heart for ministry, but then I would go to seminary and be discouraged because I was a woman, um, of how, what I could do to serve God and what it would look like. And um, I had some really negative experience, like overall, my seminary experience was so, so fantastic that I would go back tomorrow if someone would like to sponsor me. Um, but (laughs) yeah, someone else is going to pay for it. I would love to go back. Somebody else pays for it for sure. (laughs) It was a delightful experience. There were just some really mile markers. I remember, um, 
uh, a male student in class raising his voice and yelling at me and telling Mm. me to stop getting my education, that women could learn too much about Jesus, that women were, um, yeah, I really, I had some really strange things happen in my twenties that rattled, rattled me to the core and, Mm. and had me questioning, okay, well, so I don't feel like I fit in business. Uh, now I don't think I fit in ministry. I don't know what's left. I mean, so yeah. I think polished in many ways, it met the needs of my peers, but it also met some needs I had personally trying to figure out how I could incorporate faith and work together. And sure. um, yeah, so my 20s were good and they were bad. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, I think that's every season of life. I mean, I don't think it's just 20s, but, you know, I love to talk about that because it's mostly my audience. But uh, I also was wondering, like, when you started Polish, like, was it, like, slow at first? Like, was it, um, did it pick up pretty quickly? Like, what was that like for you? It's been a slow plod. A slow plod. <laughs> And I love telling people that story because I am so influenced and encouraged by ministries like If Gathering and Propel mm-hmm. and all sorts of other incredible things that pour into my life. And I've watched, I watch them skyrocket, just mm-hmm. feels like an explode, like disruptive in the marketplace almost of, wow, they're here and they're huge. And Polish yeah. has been the opposite. We started with 19 people in a room in downtown Dallas. And it was the, our first event was an epic failure. Um, uh-huh. It was the the lunch was bad. The video didn't work. The it just the whole thing from beginning to end. Uh-huh. I mean, God was glorified, but it was really a struggle that first event. And we didn't get traction until 2014. So mm-hmm. I started polished in 2008 with Stephanie Giddens as my other co-founder, and six years later is when people started to recognize our name. And when I say recognize my name, I'm talking about people were like, wow, how long has Polish been around? Oh my gosh, six years. I thought you'd been around six months. And so there were Mm -hmm. six years of a lot of hiddenness and a lot of um, just faithfully plodding along, seeing what God was going to do. And then 2014, we experienced a lot of growth. We multiplied a couple times. And we saw more women come out to our events. And then we launched our podcast in 2017. And we've seen Mm. kind of some explosive growth in the last couple of years. But yeah, I mean, if I would could encourage anyone in their 20s thinking about starting a nonprofit um, is to prepare yourself for a journey of faithfulness and just learning to trust God when there, there's no good publicity coming your way. Your, your pro Mm -hmm. quote profile isn't elevated. Like the name of polished wasn't recognized. And, um, but God all the way through was reaching into the lives of young professional women. And we were getting to share the gospel. We were getting to watch our peers feel effective in communicating the gospel at work. And so it was all worth it, but it was definitely Mm. a slow build, Emma. (laughs) Right. And I think that's a lot of ministries, a lot of businesses. And like you said, people jump on them. They're like, wait a minute, how long have you been doing this? I've only recently seen what you're doing. And I Mm -hmm. thought it only existed for a couple months. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. Um, But I'm sure the Lord has taught you a lot in that of just like faithful 
you know, being faithful to it, being obedient to it, even when it wasn't what you thought it would be. Right. Mm -hmm. So that is cool. And that's just a testament of your faith and, um, and of your belief in the Lord and what he has for you to be able to be consistent with it. So that's incredible. Mm, Thank you for that. Yeah. So, okay. I know that you've been in doing a lot of writing (laughs) and and you're coming out with a new book, right? No more holding back. So tell me about it. Like, tell me what it's about. Um, what kind of was the writing journey like and, um, and maybe kind of like, what's your hope for like those that read it? Sure. Oh, Ema, thank you so much for asking me about my, it feels like I'm birthing a baby this summer. Um, <laughs> it's just been, yeah, it, it it's, it's been really exciting to see. Has God it been a long time you. coming? Definitely. I ended up rewriting the book three times in last year in 2018. And so, yeah, a lot of words, a lot of words on paper. And the first, I'm a rookie author. This is my first book of two that I've signed on to do with W Publishing, which is a part of HarperCollins. And I mean, I I can't believe that they took a chance on me. I still kind (laughs) of have to pinch myself that this is real. Um, but I have, I have a lot of work to do in my writing skills and, um, I I had been writing for years and years and kind of unaware of it in my prayer journal time. So I'm a prayer journaler. I know that's not for everybody, but I love it. And so that's the way I am able to concentrate when I'm trying to communicate with God or allow him to communicate to me. Um, and so I've been doing a lot of writing, but a long, a long write is very different. Writing 60,000 words compared to, you know, three pages in a journal real different. And yeah. <laughs> I, I learned that I learned that the hard way. Um, yeah. So it's coming out July 9th. It's available for pre-order now. And I'm Yay. just, yeah, I know it's been, it's been going really good. I, every once in a while, I'll get a text message from someone who'll say, I'm reading your book and you know, the Holy Spirit's using these words um, oh. to do something. It's really meaningful. I love that. Oh man. So what's it like, what's it mainly about? The, it's about the greatest commandment. So in Mark mm. chapter 12, verses 30 and 31, there's a scribe that approaches Jesus and asks him, you know, what should we prioritize as Christ followers? And Jesus is super clear. He says, you need to love God and you need to love others. And mm. when he talks about loving God, Jesus says to love him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. And I remember there's this moment in time where I'm looking at that verse, struggling in my 20s about where's my place? Who am I? Like, what am I going to do to serve God? And uh, where will that be? It'll be in business world and ministry world. And what does it mean to be a, a woman Christ follower? And I read that verse and I thought, you know what? I feel more comfortable loving God with my heart and soul. Mm-hmm. I don't feel super comfortable loving God with my mind and strength. And the more thought I gave it, Emma, I kept thinking, you know what I think I've done? I think I've gendered the greatest commandment. I think I've divided Mm. it and I've made loving God with your heart and soul women's work and loving God with your mind and strength men's work. And I don't, you know, I've had to really unpack that. That's, that's my own insecurity. That's a little bit of church culture. That's how I read the scripture. It's, it's got a, there's a lot of reasons for that, um, that I talk about in the book, but really the book is it's titled no more holding back. And my hope and desire is that people would read the book and they would, they would think about what they're reserving 
from God, what they're keeping mm-hmm. from Him, and just be all in for Jesus. That they, mm-hmm. and so I finally came to a place where I was like, okay, I feel comfortable loving Him with my heart and soul. Now I need to apply my mind and my strength. I need to be strong in the Lord. I need to know all sorts of theology and be equipped to understand the scriptures. And I essentially need to love him with every part of my being. So if I'm good at sales, I need to love God through that. If I'm good at ministry, I need to do that. You know, whatever it is that he's got our hands in. But I think Mm -hmm. women specifically just seem to temper their enthusiasm for God. I I think it has a lot Mm -hmm. to do with what we value in church culture and, um, I'm married to a pastor, so anytime I talk about church culture, I'm not pointing fingers at someone like my husband or saying, oh, mm-hmm. the church, you know. I'm talking about I'm part of the church. I'm looking at myself in the mirror and going, why Why do I sense that women are holding back loving Jesus with their all? Mm-hmm. What are some of those things that keep them from doing that? Yes. And if it's okay, I want to talk about that. Like, what what are some things that you think hold us back? Especially, like, maybe if we could speak towards 20-somethings and being in a place where, kind of like what you said, we're just kind of not sure. Like, what do you have for me? Like, I don't feel called here. Um, I'm just not happy in this space. Like, what do you think, like, holds us back from, like, truly living out what God has called us to in the spaces we're in? Yeah, I think in my 20s, it was the idolization of marriage and motherhood. Mm. Uh, as a woman, I just, those are two beautiful, hear me on this, beautiful roles that I love doing. I love being a wife and a mother. Um, and I think they're they're just sacred opportunities to bring God glory, to work for the good of all people. I really do. Um, but mm-hmm. there are just roles. They're roles. And um what Trump's roles is our identity in Christ. And so I think I had elevated marriage and thought it was going to be my greatest joy. Hmm. And I talk a lot about this in the book. I have a whole chapter about it that I have story after story from my twenties and my girlfriends that were in their twenties about how we idolized marriage. And we thought it would just complete us. We thought it would bring us all the joy that we were missing in life. And I found a lot of, we were uh, serving in singles ministry um, Mm -hmm. in my late twenties with my husband, Aaron. And I found so many young women that would come and talk to me and just say, I feel like I'm in a holding pattern. Like I can't really Mm -hmm. live into my full calling in Jesus until I get married because I want I know that I want to get married and I want to partner with someone in gospel work and building the kingdom or advancing um, the kingdom through through the workforce. I know I want that. And so I feel like I'm just kind of biding my time. Like I'm waiting. Mm-hmm. And I would get a lot of comments from women that would say, I just feel like I can't truly enjoy life fully because I'm, I'm not, I'm not married yet. Mm-hmm. And I remember as I was married and we had marriage struggles realizing, wow, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And Aaron is a man of valor. He's my best friend. We're still dating 17 years later He's amazing, you guy. Like, hear me on that. He's amazing. But he, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I think I woke up to the fact of, I think I've elevated marriage being my joy over Jesus being my joy. Mm. Because the truth is, um, my greatest joy in life is going to be Jesus. Serving Him, knowing Him. And so I think that's a big deal in your 20s. And um, whether you're single or married. Because I think when you're single, you look towards marriage as that's like the next 
Like I will arrive when I finally get there and life begins when I'm married. Yeah. And that's not true. And I think on the flip side for the young married women in their twenties who are already married, they're like, yeah, no, I mean, my life doesn't feel complete and awesome and the best it's ever been. Mm-hmm. I still need Jesus. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think that's a really big one, Emma. I think the other one is I idolized motherhood as being my highest calling. So I thought marriage mm-hmm. would be my greatest joy. And I thought motherhood would be my highest calling. And man, I have heard that in church mm-hmm. a lot from well-intentioned believers. Um, I remember sitting in a seminary class and uh, a lady asked me when I was going to have children. And I responded with, you know, I'm not sure we're going to have a biological family. I just, I'm not quite sure that God's called me to do that. And she looked at me like I was, I was speaking heresy. And she said, you are, she, her verbatim words were, you are missing out on the greatest calling of your life. Oh man. And I, I remember thinking to myself, but what if I join the 30% of women who struggle with infertility? Like, what if I can't have children? And then I started to think about Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't have biological children and he was able to be fruitful and multiply pretty well. (laughs) <laughs> he did a pretty good job I mean he was like yeah mediocre yeah, but yeah 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 I mean he did a pretty good job and so I just started to think about you know what if I have missed my calling what if what if I'm supposed to be a mom and can't what if I'm supposed to be a mom and won't I, I don't know it just so started wrestling with these things and realizing you know what I think I've elevated motherhood over the great commandment mm-hmm. that loving God and loving others is supersedes uh, the roles and titles that we fill in life. And the thing is, Emma, like what we, we don't see in our twenties, what's coming in our future is that our roles and our titles change. Yeah. And so if our identity is not really grounded in loving God and loving others, we find ourselves feeling handicapped. Like I can't do that well because I'm not married or because I don't have kids. Um, and I think the enemy has had a head heyday with women in their twenties on this. Um, mm. then when you start talking to women who, um, I've been in women's ministry almost 20 years now that have kiddos that are young moms that feel like they're not able to fulfill a career goals that they might have, then sure. they feel less than, and mm. you're like, nobody wins in this scenario. Nobody wins when we elevate working over motherhood, motherhood over, I mean, the, the thing is we need to love God. <laughs> and I know yeah. I keep saying that, but you can love God when you're single, married, divorced, widowed, have kids, not kids, infertility, you name it, no matter what role or stage, age, relationship status, you can bring glory to God. And I think mm-hmm. I'm finally like coming to realize that. Mm-hmm. And that it's not a certain, um, you know, finding a husband or being, having kids or being in a certain job that is going to satisfy you. It is only Jesus. Those things can totally bring happiness. Like those things have so much joy in them, but if we're looking for them for our source of joy, um, and satisfaction, like we're not going to find it. Mm -hmm. Um, that's such a good point. Um, to realize, like, I know that so many of my friends, uh, people surrounding me, I mean, we have those kinds of desires and thinking that maybe once we have, once we reach that stage, once we reach, uh, that certain goal, then that's when it'll be better. Mm. Um, but it's just, it's just not true. It's, um, (laughs) (laughs) you're like, 
uh, yeah, let me tell you. It's really not. <laughs> uh, and so um, maybe, maybe around that, is there kind of maybe like a charge or a challenge that you have for us or, or even like scripture that maybe we could cling to and knowing that um, what God has called us to uh, is good and, and not to be seeking after things that aren't going to fulfill us. Yeah. You know, when I go back and I look at that chapter in Mark that talks about the great commandment, what happens Mm -hmm. just a few verses later is the penniless widow comes to make a donation at the temple and Jesus uses her as a sermon illustration and Mm -hmm. basically says, you know, I just told you to love God and to love others and to do it with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Mm-hmm. And let me show you what that looks like. And it's, so it's the same group of people. They're at the same place. They're having the same conversation. And Jesus points to a widow who's dropping her widow's mite into the receptacle box. And he says, you know what? She's given more than all the rich people have been donating because mm-hmm. she gave, she didn't give out a surplus is what Jesus says. He says she gave out of her poverty. And I think mm-hmm. if there's any challenge I could give is that You know, if you hear me speak about this topic, about my book, No More Holding Back, if you hear me talk about the Great Commandment, there is a temptation to go, oh my gosh, I'm not doing enough for Jesus. Like I need to, Mm -hmm. I need to stop listening to this podcast to go be a missionary overseas. (laughs) Um, Or I need to like deal with my sin that I've been idolizing marriage and motherhood, you know, and it can be a little overwhelming if I'm honest. And when I started to put my identity in the Great Commandment, I, I felt released from my idols and I've found my true identity, but then I felt overwhelmed at this Mm -hmm. enormous calling. And I take such great comfort in reading about the widow's might and Jesus saying his economy is different. His Mm -hmm. economy is about love. The currency of Jesus's kingdom is love. It's not accomplishment. It's not giving a lot. And so I think when we think about loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength with all of it, We think all means a lot. And Jesus's economy, all means something, whatever Mm -hmm. you've got, whatever you've got. And so maybe you've got a broken heart. Maybe you have a troubled soul. Maybe you have Mm -hmm. a confused mind, or maybe you feel super weak. You can love God with all your broken heart, all your troubled soul, all your confused mind, all your weakened strength. It because his currency is love, because he looks at the widow and says, you know what, guys, she gave out of her poverty and I value it more than the people giving out of their surplus. I think it's a word for us. So I would challenge Mm -hmm. your listeners to really embrace the whole chapter of Mark and to go, you know what, what little I have, I'm going to give it to Jesus. I'm going to be all in for him. And if all in means just a little tiny little coin, he is going to applaud our efforts. Mm-hmm. Because we don't, I think the lie is that we have to, like you said, go ahead and fix whatever sin we're in. We have to kind of get it together before mm-hmm. we can come before the Father. And that's like the complete opposite of the gospel. It's like, come mm-hmm. to me now. Like, come to me mm-hmm. in your brokenness. Come to me in your shame. Like, that's that's the whole point. It's like, I'm here and I'm ready with whatever you have, not some mm-hmm. sort of um, clean version of you. 
and so that's what's mm-hmm. so beautiful. And I think sometimes we forget is like when we're in places and we're struggling, um, we somehow think like, oh, it'll be better once once I'm out of this, once I fix this. Um, but he wants to do something right there in your mess. Yes. Um, which is so beautiful once we come mm-hmm. to realize that. So good mm-hmm. stuff, Kat. Good stuff. um (laughs) okay this is one of my favorite questions we've made it to like my three that I ask every guest and I love hearing everybody's answers so um this one's always like oh man only one thing but what is one thing that you like really wish you knew as a 20 something yeah in your 20s you look in the mirror and you're like I got work to do whoa I have work to do. In your 30s, you look in the mirror and you're like, wow, I am a work of art. I have really <laughs> like, wow, I, wow, I feel like a work. And it's a joke among um, women, but it is so true, Emma, that there is coming a day when you get into your 30s and your 40s. I'm 38 now, so I'm getting so close to 40. I can't wait. I just feel like every decade gets better and better. Um, you, awesome. You're going to get better with age. Um, your body is going to be beautiful and you're going to embrace every part of who you are and not in some weird new agey way, like, uh, you know, but in the great commandment, it says to, to love others as you love yourself. And I think, I think we really get to that, uh, the older we get. And so I think if anyone's listening and they're just like, I have so much work to do on myself, you know what? <laughs> the Holy spirit can do that. Yeah. I don't have some of that heavy lifting. And yeah, I wish I had known that I was going to get to my 30s and look in the mirror and go, I'm a work of art. Jesus made me. I'm moving on. <laughs> I'm not going to worry about stuff so much. Right. That's great. There's hope. There's hope. Yes. <laughs> okay. This is kind of a fun one, but what are you like either reading or listening to or watching these days? I am so obsessed with the Great British Baking Company. Have you seen the show? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's so funny. I love it. It's just mindless entertainment. There's no shadiness on the show. I don't have to right. worry about thinking. And they're so delightful to each other. And it's funny. <laughs> and so what and I it's need... Baking. It's baking. I mean, I just feel like it's so wonderful. So my husband and I are cruising through all of those seasons. Um, That's awesome. What am I reading? Well, I read kind of nerdy theology books. I, um, I'm loving everything by Richard Bauckham and everything that Ben Witherington put out. Mm. Um, I'm also loving, uh, Pennington. Uh, so those three guys are producing some really great commentaries that I'll use kind of supplementally while I'm reading the Bible. Then I'll go and reference some of their stuff, but Bauckham, Witherington, Pennington. Okay. Loving those three guys. I mean, I could list a whole slew of female theologians, but I feel like every podcast I do that. So today I was like, I'm going to list some guys and be an equal opportunity <laughs> like theologian. So if anyone's listening, they're like, she didn't list any women. Go and listen to me talk about anything, anywhere. And I only yeah. list women. So today's an exception. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, I love that. Okay. Anything that you're like listening to? This could be like podcasts, it could be music. Like, are you, can you think of anything? I just went to Mexico on this writer's workshop and 
I purposed that your readers are going to be like, I, we need to pray for her. I, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Uh, but I literally was like, I am going to download music that is not Christian music. That is not worship. Cause my whole playlist <laughs> in there is, you know, music that would be appropriate for my six-year-old, six-year-old sure. to listen to. So, I mean, obviously Bono's on there cause he's like the greatest pastor of the world. <laughs> but, yeah. um, so I'm not saying that there are non-Christian <laughs> bands on there, but I literally was like, I'm going to find some Mexican inspired music and I don't even know what I downloaded, but it was so fun. Um, so I've been kind of listening to that playlist a little bit and re-envisioning, imagining that I'm back in San Miguel right. and yes. yeah, so that's what I've been listening to. Uh, that's, you were just trying to be cultured. I get yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's all you're trying to do. I totally 100% support you in that. <laughs> Okay, lastly, what is refreshing you these days? Like, just giving you life. Joanna Gaines gives me life and every... Oh, uh, she touches something, amen. makes something. But she's got a cookbook. I don't cook. So this is so ironic that I would say that this is giving me life. Her chocolate chip cookies are in the back of her recipe book, The oh, Magnolia man. Table. And yeah. it, it's like life-changing chocolate chip cookies. Um, oh, my gosh. So- I've had to temper that refreshment I'm receiving from Joanna Gaines by going to the gym. So that's also giving me life right now. <laughs> um, so I go to Bar 3 Studio in Richardson. And okay, yeah. it's just, it's, yeah, I feel like an evangelist about it. It's totally changed my life. I'm obsessed with it. I'm in a good shape right now. I feel good. And so mm-hmm. that's totally giving me life. It's good to get up and move. Yes, especially after you eat. Joanna Gaines chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> like, thanks a lot, Joanna, but I love you. Yes, we love you so much. Um, <laughs> and I guess if I like a spiritual note, what really is giving, giving me life this week is I've been going through the Surrender Nueva. It's a mm-hmm. surrender prayer. And it, it goes, I couldn't read it all for you right now, but in, it's mm-hmm. nine days of praying a surrender prayer. And Every day you, you pray this out loud 10 times in a row. Lord Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. Mm. And then you just say it out loud 10 times in a row. And that is giving me so much life, just resting in he's going to take care of it. Because I feel like I got to take care of everything. And he's got us. Like he can handle it. Hmm. Have you ever heard of the Valley of Vision prayer book? Yes. Uh, that is like totally giving me life as far as that. I read like one every night, just like over and over. And there are some good ones in there. So if uh, mm. anybody does not have Valley of Vision prayers, you should totally get them. I, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly second <laughs> that. It's so good. Yes. So many good ones. Um, Thank you so much, Kat, for coming on the podcast today. I loved having you, and I'm just so thankful just for some fresh wisdom. And just, uh, yeah, I'm so thankful that you came on. Oh, thank you, Emma, for this opportunity. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kat today. I loved how she encouraged us to hold nothing back when God calls us to something. It can be easy for me to want want to hold tightly to certain areas of my life, and Kat encouraged us to surrender those things. Anywho, why don't you go ahead and screenshot you listening to this episode and share it on Instagram. Let the world know they need to listen in on this. 
Go check out the show notes on my website. You can find all the resources that Kat mentioned there, and that is waterwithlemonpodcast.com. I'll see you back next week. Stay fresh, my people.